0: As I said earlier, my name is Kurt and I serve as lead pastor here. And I've got my friend Jennifer Allen with me today. She's part of our teaching team. And we are going to continue us in this conversation. We've been in Hope Shines. And what we want you to know today is that there is a joy of salvation that is found in Jesus. That there is joy for every single one of us. And so we're going to be looking at Luke 3. Today, continuing a conversation forward, and I just want to give you this one thought to anchor to. There's some interesting research coming out of brain science. Anybody find brain research just so fascinating? You're just like, oh, the way God made us is remarkable, and there are some remarkable things they're finding about joy and how motivating joy is, and here's what's really fascinating to me. Joy is highly relational. They're finding that joy is incredibly relational. Jim Wilder, in his book, The Other Half of Church, Christian Community, Brain Science, and Overcoming Spiritual Stagnation, says this. Joy gives us the freedom to live without masks. Because in spite of our weaknesses, we know we are loved. We are not afraid of our vulnerabilities or exposure. Joy gives us the freedom from fear to live from the heart Jesus gave us. We discover increasing delight in becoming the people God knew we could be. I know in my own life, I'm experiencing how joy works. Joy is not anchored in what you can do for me, and here's how I know that. My wife and I were fortunate enough to have a newborn recently, and what's interesting is when I look across the room at my daughter, Anderson, I smile and she smiles, or she smiles and then I smile, that is the space of joy. And as we're going to see today in scripture, we believe this, God's heart towards you is loving joy, that he wants you to turn your face towards him because his face is already turned towards you, looking at you from a heart full of joy. Jen, why don't you take us into the scripture today?
1: So the text this morning is from Luke, and we're going to be reading Luke 3, 7 through 18, and I'm just going to start off and and lead us into it. So John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham, The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, "'Don't extort money, and don't accuse people falsely, and be content with your pay.'" The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them, "'I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire.'" His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. So reading this scripture, Kurt asked, you know, Jen, kind of think about the things that jump out at you as you're reading. What things are, you know, where does does your heart get kind of gripped in this? <clears throat> and so right away when I'm reading this account of Luke's, of John the Baptist, you know, all these crowds are coming out. And, you know, if you read it in the message, the message tells us that the crowds were coming out because it was cool. It was popular. They were going to check out what this crazy guy out in the woods was doing, baptizing people, right? And so that's why he's like, you brood of vipers, you know, because he's kind of like, well, you just came for the show, But then there's something that's happening in their hearts, because as he's talking, something in them says, well, then what do we do? And so right away, um, I'm I'm aware that how separate from God we become, and how that separation leaves us with hard and calloused hearts. So John's speaking to the crowds here, and He says going forward, everything that's going to happen is going to require an action on the part of those who have come. Repentance requires action. And it's this repentance that's the initial step that we take when we come into relationship with God. It's this initial acknowledgement that we have sinned and we have a need of God. And I think that's what, you know, the crowd is doing here. Because the next thing we hear is each group saying, well, what do we do? And so the first group, you know, they're saying, well, what should we we do? And he says, if you have two shirts, well, then just give away one. And then to the next one, you know, that kind of seems like a kindergarten lesson. If you have two shirts and you see somebody who has no shirts, then you give away one shirt. That seems kind of simple, but it's, it's kind of, you know, it's important that that has to be said there. So there's a reason why it's being said if we have to hear it. And then um, he goes on to um, speak with the tax collector and he says, well, what should we do? And he says, well, don't, you know, don't collect more than what you should. And then to the soldiers, "Don't don't falsely accuse and be content with your pay. And so I think the pattern that we're looking at is that, you know, if I put it in my own words, what I feel like John is kind of saying to everybody is, look, you've gotten so used to doing things your way. This, this certain way that you do things. You're so busy taking everything you can get into your hands, anything you can get to grab and claw and grasp at, anything you have access to. Your hands are so busy doing all that you can do to get that you can't receive what God wants to give you. And in order for you to truly have what you really, really desire, which is why you came in the first place, which is what's really drawing you, is to let go of what you're holding on to. And I think this is how the kingdom saves us from ourselves. When we begin to let go of what we're foolishly trying to grab and hold on to, we can receive the relationship that God wants to give us that never, ever runs short. It never runs out. It never leaves us empty-handed. And I think that's, you know, the path for us with sin is that I heard a pastor say one time, sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. And that's true. Sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. But the life with God is a life unimaginable, of unimaginable joy and life and goodness and truth and peace and hope. And we can be on this road of sin and it'll, it'll destroy us. I've also heard it said that it's like a turning around when we get off the road of sin, that it's, you know, that we're on this road, going down this road of destruction with sin, and then we turn around. But I heard somebody else say at one time that it's not just a turning around. It's a completely getting off of that road. And it's a different road and a different journey that Jesus invites us into. And I think that's what John is kind of pointing to with the crowds here. It's not about the getting and the grabbing and the taking to insulate and to have and to build this barrier around yourself. That the life of Jesus opens your hands up to give and to receive and to give and to receive and it calls us to a different way of living. Yeah,
0: I love that idea that you're inviting us to, Jen, that it invites us to a different way. The whole idea of salvation is that you're being saved. First, I think I need to awaken to the fact that I need saving, that there is something, a part of my life, there are ways of living that I actually need to be saved from. And it invites us into a different way. When we encounter the reality of God and the kingdom of God coming near, much like we're seeing in Luke's account here, they ask the most important question. What should we do? There were patterns of living in that culture, If you have two shirts, good for you. If you can take money from people, more power to you. If you can extort, if you can exert power and control, you should do that. You should look out for who? You. Does that sound like culture today? Mm. Absolutely. Amazing. Go figure. (laughs) Humans. Humans. And yet John is doing something so gracious and loving that I think we all need to change our relationship with repentance because repentance orients us to a loving God who is on a rescue mission saying, come be free, come be generous, come experience the life that I want to pour into you. Don't just operate on your own strength and what you can muster, how many shirts you can get. Join me and see how many shirts we can give. And it's in verse 8. I love this. What should we do? It's answered for us. We don't have to think about this on our own account. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. I just want to remind us D.L. Bach in his commentary says the Greek term for repentance means a change of mind. We're allowed to change our minds. (laughs) The Semitic concept involves a turning, an attitude that brings a change of direction. A walk with God means submission to God, submission to God, and a change of direction. I think something we can all relate to is this, that the direction of our lives will determine the focus of our lives. The direction of your life brings certain things into focus. Put certain things in front of you. And I believe the joy of salvation is when we begin to put the living God relationally in front of us and allow that to then be the focus at work, the focus at home, the focus with your neighbors, the focus with your friends, the focus in your finances, the focus in every single relationship you have so that you're knowing the joy of relationship with God being expressed to the relationship with one another. The joy of salvation is that we are saved. Yes! Yes! So just put all the shame aside that you need saving. Put all the weight aside that you need saving and change your relationship with repentance, which is an invitation to regularly and ongoingly and over againly Turn to the living God. Mm -hmm. You know, I love what these people ask. They say, what should we do? Sounds like a a question of transformation. What should we do? I'm glad you asked. It sounds like Acts 2. Peter stands up in front of these crowds and they're proclaiming the glory of God. This is after Jesus' birth, life, death, resurrection. And they're proclaiming the good news of the gospel, much like John is doing here. And this is what they say in Acts 2. When the people heard this, The good news about Jesus. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, wait for it. What shall we do? That is the question of humility and repentance we need to ask daily in front of the living God. Mm -hmm. God, today, what do I need to do? What would it look like for me to know the joy of salvation today? What shall we do? What shall we do? Community. See, this journey is not just individualized. It puts us with others, walking towards God in community with others, being a community of transformation, a community of hope and transformation. When we come here, we read it last week, Psalm 25, God instructs sinners in the ways of his kingdom. Lay the shame. And lay the guilt and all the other things down and embrace a humble heart that says, God, I need you. What shall we do? See, the joy of salvation meets me in my daily life as much as it does my eternal life. The joy of salvation for eternity becomes the joy of our transformation here and now. Jen, as we were spending some time talking through this, one of the things that struck me is how this Advent season allows us to consider these questions that have been asked over and over and over again, from generation to generation, what shall we do? And there's this invitation in it, and you were sharing a story of your own saving that had a lot of invitation. Would you take a couple minutes to kind of share what that was for you?
1: Sure. So um, my introduction to Jesus happened when I was a little girl. I was about eight, I think about eight years old. Um, my family was not a church-going family, and um, I had a best friend. She owns the 4B's uh, Boutique, so if y'all know <laughs> Shout her. Shout-out right to the 4B's. Shout-out to Sarah and the 4B's. Anyway, love this girl. She was my my bestie at the time, and she, invi- she and her family invited me to their church, and they were having a revival at their church. I am going to probably cry because I don't know if I can get through this without it. Anyway, so... Our family did not attend church, and, um, you know, as little girls do, they always come in pairs, so she invited me, and I went to this revival, this little kid, to sit through this Baptist revival that was going to be a long, loud, you know, three days of preaching and talking, and what happened in that time is that my heart, just like these people that came out, they were curious. I, I wasn't really curious about church or Jesus. I was just, like, my friend invited me, so I wanted to go. Um, but something in that, even in a little girl, something happened, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart about sin. And um, it was at, that ser- at one of those services in that time that I told my friend, and she leaned over to her mom and said, you know jennifer wants to go down you know she wants to go down to the front you know she wants to she wants to do this and i remember walking second baptist church in pasadena walking that long aisle of red carpet (laughs) down to the front to give my life to jesus and um there's a couple of important things that i really want to say about that and um First, I want to say, since my family wasn't a church-going family at the time, um, what I found there was this incredible reception of people that were willing to see this little girl that came with her friend and just love her and just invite her, walk through the center's prayer with her, and just put her on a path with Jesus. And... <clears throat> That was such a powerful thing for me because the story and the message and the hope of Jesus grabbed my heart as a little girl. And I took that message home with me, and I began to preach to my family. (laughs) (laughs) I remember one night, um, a lot of what I was learning, I was a little girl, was that hell was a real place and that we could be separated from God. And so as a little child, that was super scary, right? And I didn't certainly did not want anyone I love to be in that horrible place. So I can remember one night going from my room across the house to my parents' bedroom, knocking on the door and going in there and just throwing myself across my dad's gonna make you cry. Across my dad and saying, I don't want you to go to hell. But for me as a little girl, that was so real. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, today the same, that's our same call as Christians. It may not be that you are ready to go lay yourself in front of the guy at the convenience store and throw yourself on top of him and say, <laughs> I don't want you to go to hell, <laughs> right? But what I've come to know is it's not just that I don't want my friends and my family to go to hell. It's that I want them to come to life.
0: Yeah, amen.
1: And that's what Jesus wants for you. And the life that he offers is a joy that continues to grow in the valleys and on the mountains and in the deserts. And he wants that for you. And the other thing I want you to hear from this is the invitation and how important the invitation is. My friend did one little thing. She just invited. And her parents, they let her invite. And I, as a, as a grown woman and a mom, I think of what that little girl probably looked like to them. And her family said yes to me. And that church said yes to me. And they continued to say yes to me. My Sunday school teachers said yes. They had two shirts. They had two hours. They had time. And they gave it to me. Right. right? They gave what they had. And they invested in me for years. And this is a little shameless plug for kids' church. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you really like kids a little bit I mean that you can hang out with them for an hour and not get annoyed with them because we don't want people that are mean or grouchy or don't like kids to be in kids church we just we just don't we don't but if you really like kids and you can laugh with them and hang out with them I want you to know that I still treasure in my heart Darlene and Rhonda for the hours that they spent with this little girl writing in a prayer journal. Please pray for my daddy and my mom and my sister and my brothers because I want them to come to Jesus week after week after week after week. Because they gave their time. My dad is a Christian. My mom, the whole family began to come to church. You know? Because of one invitation. And I think that's the joy that multiplies in our life with Christ. It gives us the opportunity to act and do something with what he gives us. And it turns our hearts instead of being so focused on me and what I need and what I have to have and what I want and what I got to get. It opens our hearts up to turn around and say, wait a minute, there's so much more that God is up to and at work inside of us, and he wants to pour out on us.
0: I just think about the power that someone invited you and the invitation that we see in the kingdom and the invitation of John to those groups of people. And we just believe there's an invitation for each of us today. And I don't know what the answer to the question is for you, but I do think it would serve all of us well to understand that the joy of salvation is experienced when we are willing to come into the presence of God and say, what should we do? Where is there a turn in your life God is inviting you to? Where is that heart of humility that looks so much like Jesus that says, I'll give up my seat of power and walk in submission to to God the Father so that we could know good news? See, John is confronting the patterns of the culture outside of God's kingdom in that day, and that's what continues to be the reality today. God will confront the patterns in me that are not life, that are not joy because God loves you and God loves me. Mm -hmm. What should we do? That's the journey of transformation, that we never tire of asking the Holy Spirit to speak. What should we do? As I quoted to launch us, I'll quote Jim Wilder as we move into some ministry time because we just believe there is a real invitation. We believe that the promise that we read in Luke 3 is that Jesus has poured out the Holy Spirit and we can encounter the presence of the living God here meeting us. That as he proclaims, he says, And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. You can be free. You can be saved. You can have relationship with the living God. You can invite your friends into the community that's experiencing the relationship with God. Jim Wilder says this in that same book. Joy is primarily transmitted through the face, especially the eyes, and secondarily through voice. Joy is relational. It is what we feel when we are with someone who is happy to be with us. Joy does not exist outside of a relationship. Joy is important to God and to us. As I read out of number six, the blessing over the Shaw family, I think this is something that many of us need to hear today. Mm -hmm. That when we read the blessing out of number six, it is God's heart articulated clearly to the people of God, the family of God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Mm -hmm. May the Lord cause his face shine on you, to turn towards you. The blessing is that we can live face to face with the living God and not be consumed, but be loved. This is God's heart for you. And you might have been around church or faith and go, man, that repentance thing just sounds mean. It is love, and he has already communicated his relational intention with us. To remove all the space and to remove all the barriers and to remove all the baggage and just say, turn toward me because I love you. That is the joy of salvation and that is the heart of God for us in this Advent. As we look to Christmas and we look to Jesus coming, Emmanuel, God with us, we sang about it. God is clear. He loves you. God is clear. He wants you to turn toward him. What should we do? Let's stand together. If you have never been invited into a relationship with God, we would like to invite you to know a God that loves you, that wants to see you, and that the joy of salvation is that nearness. It is that God has turned towards you and you can turn towards God. And in some ways, it's as simple as this. Sorry, God, I've been living my own way. Thank you that you saved me. Please come and take control. Please come and have authority in my life. Please come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Sorry. Thank you. Please. And I know it's kind of odd to, like, say that to a church community. Mm -hmm. But you might not have even been walking the way that you wanted to be walking. You might have at some point known God. You might have been invited today by a friend. And we want, you know, the family of God with joy will celebrate the welcome of you into that family. For others, you might already be in a relationship with Jesus where you would say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to submit to you. But it's been a while since you've asked, what should I do? Maybe it's been a while since we've asked in community with other people, what should we do? What does repentance look like? Nobody is perfect. Let me say it this way. I won't won't judge you. I am not perfect. Repentance has to be a staple in my life. Or I will drift away from God's best. And when that awakens in me, I should regularly say, God, what should we do? Turn. Turn. The other thought that I had is just that some of us need to embrace, maybe you were baptized with water, but this invitation is that Jesus wants to baptize you with his presence. The Holy Spirit filling you every day, everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. Following Jesus is being full of the Spirit. It's his promise to us. It is goodness. So if you have just something going on in your life, you want to open to God. Maybe there's been a place you've been hard. Maybe, as Jen said, there's a place you've been callous. There's a place you've been living in a direction that is not with God in focus. Just begin to welcome God in that place. Just begin to take a posture. God, would you come? So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and just begin to speak to the room. That you would cut to our hearts today like we see in Acts 2 and we see in Luke 3. What should we do? What should we do? God, what should we do? And if there is that burning inside of hearts today that we, again, we read in Scripture that there's our hearts burned inside us because we realize that it was Jesus, the saving one. And would you just give people the courage to say yes to you today? That they would know the joy of salvation. They would know what it is to have relationship with the living God because you love us, and you are clear. You want us in your family. God, if there's been a place of discouragement and it's not been joy, I pray that you would begin to take those desert places and those hard places and those discouraging places and those places of despair and those places of depression and worry and anxiety, and you would show yourself with us that we might hold on to the joy that is found in you. Come, Holy Spirit. Even as we're praying, I think some of you need to be willing to invite. And so God, would you just bring people into view for us that we might invite in the weeks and months ahead? Hey, would you come with me? Just come with me.
1: For some of you, I feel like maybe we sang that song about, you know, you can move the mountains. I've seen you do it. I've seen you move the mountains. And we have. We've seen God move the mountains. And and for some of us, I know that this has been true in my story. Sometimes God did not move the mountains, but he invited me to climb them. Yes, God. And for some of you, you might be really tired. And maybe you feel like your joy has just been sucked right out of you. But God's on the climb with you. And he wants you to turn your face to him. And he will look into your face and restore your joy. And give you a freshness for the climb because there's something he's doing in you in the climb. And that journey with him is important.
0: So I just want to invite you, if this is something that resonates with you, just to open yourself to the joy of the Lord today. You can take a posture of welcome, and it's like receiving a good gift. You know, it's, it is holiday time anyway. And we're going to just pray a blessing for anybody that would like to receive that. And then if you have given your life to Jesus today, if you have said yes to the one who saves, we would love to pray with you. If you have other stuff going on, if you resonate with what Jen just shared. That climbing, we're going to have people available to pray as we close our service. Come receive more prayer, prayer for healing, prayer for needs in your life to be met. And so, God, we just say yes to you and your kingdom come and coming. Holy Spirit, would you allow us to be a community full of joy because we know the joy of salvation that is found in you. We know the joy of relationship with you and repentance where we turn towards you. And so with great humility, we say fill us up today, God. Fill us with joy that is not found in circumstances or in stuff, but it is found in you, the living God. Anchor our lives in you. Anchor us step for step to walk with you, whether we're climbing up the mountain or we're navigating the valley. Would you fill us with your spirit? Pour out your spirit today, God, and lead us and guide us. We receive the joy of salvation that is found in you, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.